Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to the Peasant Party Podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Warren, and I'm super freaking excited to have a guest who is brand new to Texas, brand new to Austin here with me in studio. She's achieved some pretty interesting notoriety over the last few weeks, but she's an incredible person. We just had brunch together. Julia, who are you? Let's introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. It's cool that I'm in Austin. I finally made it. So I'm Julia Mazur. I'm the host of the Pretty Much Done podcast. I'm PMD Pod on TikTok and Instagram. And really, my podcast is for people who are pretty much done listening to the societal noise and societal pressure. And as you alluded to, I've had some kind of notoriety on TikTok recently for not great reasons, but mm-hmm. in the end, it, it lent me to an audience that I, I wanted to reach. Totally. We both know Eve, who is fantastic. I love Eve's content. Shout out Eve um, and the Arrow app. If you are looking to be matched with somebody, download the Arrow app that Eve has put together. I remember because she was like, hey, my friend Julia's moving to Austin. She's also on TikTok. She's got a podcast. Yeah, I followed you on TikTok long before all of that stuff because it was just, you made good, positive content. I think you'd mentioned you used to work for Tinder. I remember you'd made a you'd made a video. I saw it before it blew up where it was just, hey, you know, I'm 29 and single. Here's how I spent my Saturday. It was, I went to a Beyonce concert with some friends the night before. And then it was like this drug and alcohol free Saturday of I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to make shakshuka. And I remember I was like, what is shakshuka? That sounds kind of cool. It was like, okay, like cool. Good for her. And then I remember it was you posting a video and you had your, your uh, like teal sweatshirt on. It was like, I got bullied by Matt Walsh. I was like, what the hell's going on here? And it was like this guy that looks like somebody I would shoving a locker in high school was making fun of you and being pretty terrible. And then it blew up from there. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll run you through yeah, what run, happened. Run, run us yeah. through what happened. So I went to a Beyonce concert. I was a little hungover. I woke up. Uh, I ended up leaving bed at like 10 a.m. And I decided that I was going to cook shakshuka, this egg dish. It's in tomato sauce. It's really great. Mm-hmm. I think it's a North African dish. Yeah. And uh, recently made relevant by The Real Housewives of New York, which I've been watching. I was talking about how I was going to watch The Real Housewives of New York. And whenever I feel guilt about my day or being where society, not being where society tells me that I should be as a 29 year old at the time, I'm now 30, Mm -hmm. single female, I remind myself how much ease I have to go about my day. I get to wake up at 10. I get to make shakshuka. I get to watch reality TV. And it's a nice perspective shift for me whenever I am hard on myself that I'm still single. I don't have kids. I don't have a family. And Matt Walsh took that video and tweeted it to his 2.4 million followers. At the time, I only had 7,000 followers on TikTok. I was Mm -hmm. a fairly new creator. It wasn't a fair playing field. Mm -mm. He took my video and tweeted it, and immediately I got a barrage of hate on my TikTok video. I started to get people making fun of me, saying nasty things about me. I still haven't read the full extent of what people have said, but there were things about sexual assaulting me, how the only way I would have a kid is if I was sexually assaulted, questions about my gender, calling my life meaningless, just really mean things. Mm -hmm. And so it was really scary. I'd never experienced anything like it. I couldn't believe that my video, which felt just, you know, trying to help people feel less guilty about being single would be taken out of context like that. And I deleted the TikTok app from my phone. I went to the beach with some friends. I tried to recenter. I've done a lot of practices to recalibrate. And then it only felt like it was safe to come back on once a friend of mine that I went to college with who has a platform on Twitter X came to my defense and explained what my platform is about, what my podcast is about, gave context into myself being a Russian Jewish girl who experienced a lot of these pressures growing Mm -hmm. up of needing to get married and have kids to feel fulfilled in life. It felt like once she tweeted, a lot of people came to my defense. Mark Cuban came to my defense. It felt safe to come back. And that's when I made that rebuttal video Mm -hmm. on the teal sweater 
saying that I'm not here to make content for people like Matt Walsh. I'm here to make content for people like me or anyone who's experiencing these societal pressures, which Matt Walsh just echoed, are very much apparent. Clearly, yeah. As someone who just wanted to make people feel less alone, I don't want to do people who feel like they're relating with my content a disservice by coming off the platform and not creating content for them. Totally. And it was just so strange to me how, like, of all the videos they could have chosen for that point to make, I firmly believe my conspiracy is that Matt Walsh was already doing a segment on, oh, my God, everyone's, like, clutching the pearls. Like, everyone's getting married later or not getting married at all. Like, hey, intern, go find me someone with, you know, a few thousand followers who's saying I'm never going to get married. And then, you know, the intern's just as much of a nerd as he is. And for whatever reason, they picked your video. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, the most benign, wholesome video I have ever seen. It was... Yeah, like a, a way of spending just a wholesome Saturday. And what it turned into was just like, I don't understand it. Yeah, and I think you and me create content on social media. And I understand that when you create content on social media, you're going to get people having opinions about you and they're going to say things that are maybe not kind. But I think that that level of hatred was uncalled for. I think that people telling me that I should be sexually assaulted, that I should not leave my house, that I should die, like those, those things are are certainly not how humans should behave. Oh, 100%. And I, I feel like it was also you know, a lot of kicking while you're done because you were recently out of a relationship when you posted that. Like, that's like something I've told myself when I'm recently like out of a relationship where it's like, you know, I'm going to go and like make, like do something, you'll learn a new skill today or something like that. And like, I just think that's like, so like, if anyone like saw your videos, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I, I just got out of a relationship. Like, here's something I'm doing to work on myself, like going, learning a new recipe. That's like going to work on yourself. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I did just get out of a relationship with someone. And I think that for so long, I was using relationships to fulfill me. And I <laughs> I really want to be fulfilled in my own skin and not have a relationship mean something about me or define me or make me feel more fulfilled. <laughs> and so I've worked really hard to get to that point. And I broke things off with someone and it, it was an emotional time. <laughs> and people had a snippet of my life for one a one minute video and made meaning of my life that wasn't really the truth. Yeah. And like, I, cause I think it was so crazy too. Cause like, I think I, all it took me like was a few scrolls to find out that you work at Spotify, you used to work at Tinder, you seemingly owned your own condo. You are in great shape. I feel like, like Matt Walsh fans, they probably like saw you. They're like, this is the type of girl that like turned me down for a date when I was in high school. And they probably were just like public enemy number one. That is my, my theory kind of on that as well. But like, if how anyone could just see that video and then just be like, oh, me, like meaningless life. Like I like I, I don't understand them. And it seems like they're the bitter ones like entirely. It's just a really horrible way to talk about somebody. And I think crazy people on the Internet are just angry. Yeah. I, and I never will know. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. And I think that I would be doing myself a disservice by figuring out why I'm yeah. just creating content and still doing my podcast like that. That's what I'm focused on. Totally. And kind of like aside from that, because I think what's really great that you've done with this, you know, you had the like probably 7,000 followers when this all started. You have quadrupled that, I think, since. Mm -hmm. um, you've used those bricks that people are throwing at you to build a castle. Who is Julia Mazur? Tell us about the Pretty Much Dumb podcast. I had a chance to listen to a few episodes. I really enjoyed it. Like you have some incredible guests. Like tell us about who you are, your podcast, like everything you've kind of been working on. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening and thanks for the kind words. So I started my podcast a year ago and mm -hmm. a lot of people also because they can create meaning with a one minute video said that I use this as an opportunity to have a platform. And I launched a podcast as a result of this Matt Walsh drama. I've, I've had a podcast for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think context into me and how I grew up is helpful. I grew up Russian Jewish mm -hmm. and culturally, a lot of the rhetoric that I was hearing growing up was 
get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way to feel fulfilled. And I kept finding myself trying to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And I kept finding myself in these good, on paper, safe relationships, feeling deeply unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. I, I have to... I have to go pursue things outside of just this goal of I need to get married and have kids because it's not landing for me. Mm-hmm. I, I need to figure out who I am and I need to really love myself. And so I went on this three-year-long journey with therapy, plant mm-hmm. medicine. I started journaling, meditating, doing yoga, really focusing on myself and looking inward. And mm-hmm. I realized that I was deeply insecure. I grew up overweight. I was 208 pounds at my heaviest weight. I used food as a means to just cope and... Mm-hmm. I didn't fully accept myself as I was. I felt like there were there were these polarities of Julia, once she lost weight, was great and used men to validate her and, you know, Julia overweight was bad. And I and it wasn't until I went on this journey, I realized like all of those things are Julia. Mm-hmm. All of those things make up Julia. And so I really learned to love myself. And I, I feel like this happened at a time where I knew exactly who I was. And mm-hmm. so I don't think that that's a coincidence that the Matt Walsh thing, they couldn't really rile me up. They couldn't, mm-hmm. I knew who I was. I knew what message I'm trying to send out there. And while going on this journey, I leaned back on podcasts during the pandemic. They made me feel less alone. I was listening to Life with Mariana Hewitt one day and she had Jen Atkin, the celebrity hairstylist on. And I was in a very toxic relationship. And Jen Atkin said that a breakup is just one weekend of moving your stuff out and that's all you got to do. And she's like, I tell all my friends that. And I heard it. I was on a walk and I heard it and I was like, okay, I think I can do that. I, I can, you know, mm-hmm. get out. And so I decided to break up with this person who was extremely mm-hmm. toxic and weighing me down. And I thought to myself, if I can be that moment of clarity for someone else, I, I want to be that for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I, a few years later, I launched my podcast and I started mm-hmm. to have experts on and influencers and authors who have experienced love loss and who have mm-hmm. stopped listening to societal noise and have at 35 started new careers, gone from being executives to being authors and life coaches. And I I love having different people's perspectives to show that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Society tells us we need to get married and have kids and that's the only way to bring meaning to your life. I had someone on who she got divorced at 30, moved to Paris, fell in love with someone in her building like Emily in Paris. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to these amazing people who find fulfillment outside of just getting married and having kids. I think it's wonderful to get married and have kids. My mm-hmm. sister's married with two kids and she got married at 25. I think that that's a wonderful life path. But I think if you don't choose that life path, it's wonderful too. And it doesn't impact other people's lives how you decide to choose your journey. Yeah, it's it, like why people are so concerned, especially who, people who claim to be a part of the party that doesn't care what other people do, why they care so much about, you know, what one woman does is kind of just beyond me. Yeah, I mean, kind of how has like your support system, like friends, family members, like responded and kind of supported you through like all of this and as it's gone on? Yeah, it's been so wonderful. I feel so lucky. I would not have gotten through any of it without my family, my friends who mm-hmm. have supported me through all of the Matt Walsh ordeal um, and various other people who piled on. They've been super supportive. I think that my parents are always scared when I take these risks. Like I just moved Mm -hmm. to Austin. I go against the grain sometimes. I'm leaving my corporate job. There are things that scare them, but they still support me and love me. Mm -hmm. And I think they understand that it's a different world now. You know, they're Russian Jewish immigrants who came mm-hmm. here with nothing and had mm-hmm. to work super hard. And so them hearing that I'm going to leave my corporate job is a scary thing, but they love me nonetheless and they support me. And I think I teach them things that they 
don't know or wouldn't be open to, and and they teach me things uh, that I take into account. As well. Totally. Um, and before I kind of go into some of the new rabbit holes you've got on, on your TikTok, I guess if someone's going to start listening to Pretty Much Done, they've got a, a year's worth of episodes, where should they start or kind of, you know, what are some like highlight episodes that you would recommend people listening to? Yeah. The most listened to episode is with this woman, Jen Mazer. We're not related, mm-hmm. but she's a manifestation coach and she teaches people how to manifest and mm-hmm. bring abundance into their life. And I was never a spiritual girly until I went on this kind of spirituality kick. And I learned about manifesting. I believe in manifesting. I, you know, she talks about it on the episode. I love the episode with Case Kenny. Um, he's the host of New Mindset Who Dis, and he gives us a straight male perspective on dating. And that's always fun to have a man on the podcast because I speak to so many females. Most of my listeners are female. Mm-hmm. I think the episode with Eve was great. I just had Sabrina Zohar on, and she talks about anxious attachment. And I, there are so many. Honestly, I, I love everyone I have mm-hmm. on. I take a lot of care into who I bring on. And I think that everyone has a unique perspective and all episodes are, I, I work really hard on them. <laughs> I love them. They sound really good. Like you're an incredible listener. How does it feel to like be in the hot seat and like be interviewed? I feel like you've been on a few interviews as of late. Yeah, I know because I'm a, I'm a Virgo. I don't know if that means anything to you and I <laughs> thrive in control. It's always scared to relinquish control, but I trust people like you to ask the right question. Yeah, you, you came to Austin and you had two things you've said on, on your TikTok recently. Um, number one, you've heard rumors about Austin dating and you would like to change things. I want to hear like what you've heard so far and then you're doing something called unattached autumn maybe we start with unattached autumn tell everyone what unattached autumn is yeah so unattached autumn is not being attached to a man for me a dating app uh any outcomes really Mm -hmm. i'm taking myself out to dinner one to two times a month by myself i'm sitting by myself in that discomfort of being socially alone Mm -hmm. and I'm trying one new thing a month and I'm not caring what people think about me when I do all of those things. Mm -hmm. And it really came about because as you mentioned, I worked at Tinder for six years. I was always a dating app girl. Mm -hmm. I was trying to fulfill this. I need to get married by 30. I just turned 30 and Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. And now I'm like, you know what? Universe, world, you take the wheel. Mm -hmm. I don't care anymore. I'm going to do these things to better myself. And I think that at that point, when I no longer am attaching myself to this outcome of I need to get married and have kids and I need to meet my boyfriend, Mm -hmm. that's finally when I'm going to relax and just enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I I did that. I went to a bar my first week in Austin. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, we just had brunch there and I sat at the bar by myself. Someone came up to me. We went on a date a couple days later. Yeah. You had your, yeah, you had your first date in Austin that was met in the wild. How'd the first date go? It went well, so he doesn't live here, but it was good. And I and he was different than my normal type. I usually go for like a Jewish doctor, a lawyer, or a profession, or, or this and that. And I'm so enamored by things that I right now I'm telling people that I, I have had a type and now mm-hmm. I'm just taking I'm unattached to my type as well. Mm-hmm. And so this guy was from Louisiana, I'm from LA, different, you know, upbringings. He was very interesting, very smart, well traveled, mm-hmm. but he lives in Seattle. I'm probably never gonna see him again. He was visiting family here, but I'm so glad I did it. I'm so mm-hmm. Glad I met someone who was not my normal type. Um, and it was fun. It was fun to put myself out there and meet someone new. Nice. Did you have a Southern accent? Yes. Oh, I love those. <laughs> that'll, that'll get me every time. Um, and yeah, yeah, you mentioned you kind of dated within a, we, you usually date within a type. Um, what's kind of your take on people who say like they don't have a type versus they always date a certain type? Like, um, I think you, yeah, you did a, a TikTok the other day of, um, you know, like you know, don't stick within your type. What is the difference between, you know, maybe not, 
stay or um you know not staying within your like not your type versus not your type because i feel like sometimes people use the not my type excuse to mean like you know i'm not into it versus you know you can acknowledge they're like conventionally attractive but not someone you'd usually go for yeah what is kind of the line of like giving something a shot um you know giving something a chance not your usual type versus you know maybe going down the road of like you know wasting someone's time wasting your own time yeah playing games kind of thing i think chemistry and sexual attraction is important Mm -hmm. so i think that if there is are zero feelings of either one after a few dates Mm -hmm. it's okay that Mm -hmm. physically your type it's not working. It's okay that that chemistry is not there. However, I think that the things to really focus on are the values. Mm-hmm. That should be your type. It should mm-hmm. be someone who has who loves their family. I personally love people who travel because it means mm-hmm. something about you. If you're open to different cultures and you like to travel, I think that that's someone who's open-minded. Those mm-hmm. those same values. I love people who are very funny and have a good sense of humor. Those are qualities and traits that are important to me that I never want to falter from. But I think that we create these types of, well, I need a guy who's 6'2 and blonde and, you know, he works in finance. Mm -hmm. That means nothing about their values or who they are as a person. And we are just bringing a defense Mm -hmm. forward of this filter of I'm never going to date someone outside of that. And that is my safe zone because I can control that outcome because I know exactly how that guy's going to be. I know how to cater to that person. Then you're just like, I feel like it's like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's to me insane just to continuously date the same guy in different clothing. I think you need to hone in on what your values are and what you're looking for um, and be sexually attracted to this person as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like people kind of like box themselves in, and you know, I only I only date with a certain within a certain type, and then they like convince themselves they could never get along with someone of another type. It's like sometimes like maybe that's that's the reason why things aren't working out. Like maybe this just isn't the right type, and they kind of think like everyone who's not this type is you not gonna. It's like you gotta open your mind, you gotta go to new places. Yeah. Sometimes it's like it's not the issue isn't like I'm in marketing. It's not wrong product, it's wrong audience. Yeah. You know, like some products do better in front of a certain audience. And it's just a matter of putting yourself out there, like not just staying on the dating apps, like stuff like that. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like you met this guy kind of in the wild. Everyone like that talks about the apps, talks about how everyone's got like creative openers. What did what was this kind of like guy's approach? Because every guy like that listens to this, I'm probably like a 60, 40 female male audience. It's like, what is how do you approach a woman in the wild? So I what was this guy do? I, well, I was just talking about this with friends. I think that the alone thing is great because mm-hmm. it's, I think it's hard for, I'm talking about straight males, straight females. I, I think it's hard to approach even, you know, different sexual orientations. It's hard to approach a group. It's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. Imagine six people are sitting at a table and a guy has to impress all six with mm-hmm. his opener. So that's why I'm such a proponent right now of sit alone mm-hmm. at, by yourself at the bar. I also, this is my little trick. If sometimes when you bring a book, it's a great conversation starter. Interesting. People have always asked me what book I'm reading. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that this time, mm-hmm. but I was sitting at the bar and we made eye contact. He was coming back from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I think like my eye contact was probably suggestive mm-hmm. of like, I'm open to you coming oh, totally. up. There's a look like <laughs> the sexiest thing a guy can do is they do like the little cheers thing, like kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio and the great Gatsby. Yeah. Probably the hottest thing a guy can do. That's yeah. just my opinion. Sorry. To well, this guy, no, this guy did a hot move. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a hot move. He came up and after he they paid the check. He came back to where I was sitting and he stuck his hand out and he gave me his first name. Nice. And I was like, whoa, that's a good handshake? guy. Yeah. Nice. Good handshake, which I, I, yeah, I'm a good, I'm a judge of. 
love that. And I, what I love too about sitting at the bar is that bartender makes a great referee. Yeah. Like if anything gets weird, like bring the bartender into it. Like a lot of times too, it's like they want people to like the bar. They make sure women are safe, but it's like, you know, oh, what are you getting into? Like, oh, hey, like where's a good place to go from here? Just like bring the bartender into the conversation. Like they yeah. love it. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a great move. Like I think some people are just like, oh, sitting at the bar, it makes you kind of look like you're lingering or doing something weird I think at the right bar it's it's a great move yeah and then um I launched into my thing that you were alluding to about the uh, Austin dating scene Mm -hmm. and I said well what do you think I just saw a video of uh, that Austin is the fifth worst city for dating in the U.S. and perfect conversation starter if you haven't Mm -hmm. seen this video go see it you can talk about why is insert city such a bad city for dating boom, we were in the middle of a conversation. And that's kind of what it launched into. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes too, like swapping, I guess, quote unquote, war stories is a great dating topic. Like, you know, what's your, what's the weirdest date you've been on, like on here? And like, everyone's got a weird story about somebody who either was, I also think it also reveals a lot about like show, not tell, like what people are looking for. If people are like, oh yeah, you know, she wanted to go on another date. It's kind of like, okay, they're clearly like, you know, not on the same page of like what I'm looking for but it's also like I think they bring good stories in here like everyone's got a I don't know I have like a weird story about how someone showed up with a briefcase I never found out what was in the briefcase but it always made a good story yeah yeah um, but like yeah um what okay so dating in Austin you have come here with a mission what's that mission it just happened this week but everyone is laughing at me because they're saying oh typical LA girl comes to Austin and wants to save Austin you're gonna get some don't California my Texas you don't drive like a white Tesla, do you? No. Okay. Cause like everyone shits on California's driving white Teslas here. Yeah. Frame that a, a little differently just cause it's like California to Texas, but I think it's a good mission. And I think you can help us. Yeah. So I saw this video and listen, I just spent 10 years dating in LA. Mm-hmm. LA dating has its own set of <laughs> rough men and women out there. LA has the Peter Pan syndrome with men. LA has it too. I think any big metropolitan city is going to have it to some extent, mm-hmm. but I saw this video And I thought to myself, oh, no, I just spent 10 years dating in L.A. and it was rough Mm -hmm. and it was tough. And now I came to, you know, find a southern gentleman Mm -hmm. and they're telling me it's the fifth worst dating city. So I'm thinking that I want to play in an event and we'll see what really the hook of the event is. But in my mind, I'm thinking there are some big metropolitan cities around. Mm -hmm. Houston's not far it's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. Maybe we bust some guys in from Houston who have these Southern gentleman-like qualities because I'm hearing there are a lot more eligible females than males here who want to settle down. That's what I'm hearing. I think it's a mix. I think the men that are here are really good at hiding. It's interesting because, like, my type and, like, I think I have, like, the type where it's like they've bought a house like they're going to home depot on saturdays they're just like not being out like once you find them they are golden but it's like finding them like you got to have like a small emergency and just like go to home depot or something like that you'll you'll find them you'll find an idea are you into country music I'm not. Okay. Well, there's like Texas country is better than like regular country. The lyrics are incredible. Yeah. I used to tell my friends, I used to joke in LA that we should have uh, eligible females just uh, at the golf courses Mm -hmm. because there are so many eligible men just swinging at the golf course. And I I thought that that's a better dating app than the dating apps right now. Oh, 100%. And I think like if we could find out a way to make like singles events cool or just like not these like singles events, like, you know, name tag or something like that, like just something fun. Like I feel like there's also just like a lot of new smaller dating apps popping up like a lot of seltzer companies like 
this one, um, the Finnish long drink, I think this is local, I'll crack it open in a second, but like um, beverages that would like sponsor something like that. I think there's like a lot of good opportunity there. Yeah. Um, and you got a lot of, I feel like good connections too with your experience. Yeah. There's this uh, rideshare company that that are like party bus ride. Yeah. Fetty. Fetty. Yeah. Yeah. We love Fetty. So I reached out to them because I thought, th- you know, this could be our transport partner. to bring Yeah. In no, like we've, we've, we've like, yeah, we've, we've fired up Fetty. Um, no, there's also like the Vaughn Lane tour buses where it's like a first class style like bus or something. Uh-huh. You can also fly private from Austin to Dallas for like 200 bucks each way through JSX jets. I have not done it yet. Yeah. Sorry, I'm totally sidetracking there. I'm just like obsessed with private jets and I've talked about this before. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I'm, I'm up for bringing the Dallas guys too, although I hear that they, they've got their set of issues too. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to figure it out and I'm trying to figure out really what the issue is. I'm not claiming that I'm going to fix it, but I want to at least try. You're the hero we don't deserve. Um, so what? Okay. So what is it that you've heard about Austin? And based on your observations, one weekend, what seems true? What doesn't seem true? Everyone always says that it's a little LA, and I think mm-hmm. that that's there are a lot of Californians who come here. Mm-hmm. I think for me, what I'm experiencing about Austin is, as a girl who grew up and was born and raised in LA, there's a lot of bullshit in LA mm-hmm. of who are you? What do you do? Do you work in the industry? What can you get me? Mm-hmm. And a lot of pressure. I was telling a friend that I went to HEB last weekend and I didn't have to put on my cute little workout onesie and my new balances and my dad had, I didn't, it wasn't a show. Mm-hmm. There isn't so much of the show that I experienced in LA. And that's a breath of fresh air for me because it was exhausting to constantly feel like my life in LA was a show. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's a lot more laid back in that mm-hmm. way. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And I say this as someone who came from like California five years ago and everyone here who's like, didn't want to go to San Francisco. Everyone's trying to sell you their app. Didn't want to be in LA. Everyone's trying to be an actor. Like Austin has its flaws, but like one good thing is like salt of the earth people, which is like what I'm all about. Like yeah. friendships, dating, like everything like that. You you will find that here, I would say. Yeah. Every Uber or Lyft I take, everyone is so kind. People are really, really kind. And I think people are open to connect. So mm-hmm. I think, so that being said, it surprised me so much that dating sucks because people are so open to connect. So mm-hmm. we need to connect people. Yeah, people. Yeah, people are just burnt out. You mentioned before because um, you you worked at Tinder. You know, there's a whole spiel about like you know dating apps are just out here to like screw everyone's life up and and make money. I think dating apps obviously want to make money, but I also don't think they're trying to ruin anybody's lives. And I think you 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 mentioned that as well. Like, what do you think about like kind of the attitude toward dating apps like right now? Like, I feel like there's so much like sentiment of like ah dating apps. Totally. Yeah, I think that dating apps have definitely produced habits of people that have become unhealthy habits of sometimes people go on dating apps for instant validation, instant gratification. Obviously they're gamified. So they develop, you know, people use them for not so great reasons. Mm -hmm. I think if you're using them correctly, they can lend themselves to relationships. I met two really wonderful guys who I went on to date for a long time on Mm -hmm. dating apps. That being said, for me right now, mm-hmm. I learned that I was using dating apps to filter for my type mm-hmm. because I started to see things of, oh, I, I like how he's dressed. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that he goes to that restaurant that I like. And that meant nothing about the person. So mm-hmm. I started using it as a filter. And I know myself right now, I want to go be out in the wild and make these meaningful connections in real life. We just came out of a pandemic where we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to lean on those ways of meeting people other than just swiping meaninglessly on a Sunday, mm-hmm. not working for me right now. That's why I developed Unattached Autumn. I think everyone is over the dating apps, at least millennials. 
Totally. And what's your best like kind of recommendation as someone who used to work for Tinder? What's the best way to use like use a dating app? Because I think like they do expose you to people maybe you wouldn't have otherwise gotten to meet like more diversity. Um, but at the same time, it's like if you get too reliant on it, like you use it, you start to use them as a crutch. What is the right way for, say, a 25, 26 year old man, woman and a, living in a big city? How's, how should they best use a dating app where they're not twiddling their thumbs, but also using this piece of technology to their advantage? Like what would you recommend? I think taking the information that you're getting on the dating profile at face value. Mm -hmm. So if you see that someone says they're looking for something short-term, they are looking for something short-term. If somebody elected Mm -hmm. to put up that they are looking for a short-term relationship, you're not going to change them. Mm -hmm. You will not change them. If someone says my perfect weekend is driving in my Lamborghini and Mm -hmm. (laughs) going to bars, that's true. Mm -hmm. Take them at face value. If if someone puts different political views than you're used to, that is also true. So don't use a dating app thinking, oh, I just I'm going to get this guy and then I'm going to win him over. I, I don't I caution you not to do that. If you are looking for someone who is looking to settle down, who maybe doesn't have the greatest looking profile, go out with that person if they say that, that they're also looking for a long-term relationship and maybe their pictures aren't the best, but they seem to have aligned values to yours. Mm-hmm. Short quick hit thoughts on asking what are you looking for on the dating app before first date? It doesn't bother me. Okay. It really doesn't bother me. I know that some people think that that's cringe. I used to be a girl who thought if someone posted uh, that they were looking for a relationship, if a straight male was saying he was looking for a relationship, I was like, ew. Mm -hmm. But that meant more about me that I was not emotionally ready for someone like that. Mm-hmm. I think if someone s- says that to you, I think that they're tr- trying to get to the point mm-hmm. and they're trying to weed out mm-hmm. quicker and, mm-hmm. and it shows that they're serious. What's the best answer to what are you looking for if someone asks you? The truth. <laughs> um, I love how straightforward this is because sometimes it's like, am I boxed in? If I say I'm looking for a relationship, am I stuck with this person if things don't work out or, you know, kind of on the fence? Like, am I putting myself in casual land? Like that kind of stuff. I mean, no, I think that this is this is why people are so sick of dating apps because like mm-hmm. it's these games, these dating games. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to be too cool and play it off too cool and think that you're going to turn someone off by telling them that you're looking for a serious relationship because that's what you're looking for, mm-hmm. that person's not your person if they're turned off. Mm-hmm. That's the truth of the matter. Oh, you're totally right. I feel like everyone has the same answer. And I think there's like, you know, show not tell is like pretty powerful. Um, just because I also think like everyone's version of serious versus casual can be so different and people get like yeah. cling to, to words. Um, but I also think people are too like irrationally afraid of it. And this one's about cheesy dating app openers. Um, I picked some fun ones. So this one is single female 29. I tend to unmatch when a guy sends an opener that is cringy. For example, saying things like, what are you grateful for today? Or what are you hoping to accomplish within the next three months? My friends who are all in relationships think that I am being too picky for doing this. Is this a stupid deal breaker or am I being unreasonable? I think the instant unmatch is a little unreasonable. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not going to lie and say that that's not cringy. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little quick mm-hmm. to not say, hey, Julia, how was, you know, I, I hate the how is your day, but mm-hmm. hey, Julia, I loved this about your profile. And then I think the second can be, what are you, what, what was it? What, what did he say? What was the cringy? What are you, what are you grateful what for? You grateful and what are you for? hoping to accomplish within the next few months? And sometimes you get those and it's like, it's, it feels so cut and paste. Like, yeah, yeah, I hate the cut and paste, the feeling of it. But I think you have to go back to the profile and remember why you matched this person. Mm-hmm. Was it because you really liked that he had a lot of pictures with his dog? Did mm-hmm. you like that he said that this, you know, 
he he goes to church on Sundays. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but you have to remind yourself of that and remind yourself of the fact that sometimes guys are going to be a little cringy. Mm-hmm. And the instant unmatch, I think, is a little mm-hmm. rough. I think it's yeah. like a little rushed. What do you think is the right dating app opener? I think it. I hate the cut and paste. So mm-hmm. I have always, because you know, I've been on Bumble. Mm-hmm. I always reference something about their profile. I helped a friend with this recently, where she, uh, the guy said that he has like a pristine Uber rating mm. or something, and I, I like told her to say, "You're going to be excited to know that my, I have a 4.9." Like mm-hmm. something related to his prompts, his answers, his picture with his dog is. Make it tailor it to them. I feel like when people are told, like, do something, tailor it to the profile, they think they have to write, like, a whole essay. It's, like, just be, like, if you see they went to a, a school that was, like, a rival of yours, be, like, you know, haha, hook them if they're, a, you know, LSU fan or something like that. And, yeah. like, you know, kind of just be fun that way. If people are choosing to put this on their profile, it's obviously important to them in some ways. What do you think the line is, like, with, like, prompt responses or bios? Like, what's the line between, you know, being, like, fun and then just being too cliche? Because you mentioned, like, the 4.9 Uber rating. Like, that can be a fun one. But sometimes it's, like, I have an 800 credit score. Like, how many times have we seen I've got the the credit score 800? Where's the line between creative and funny versus cliche? Uh, I guess if all prompts are all cliche and vanilla that's Mm -hmm. gonna show that person is just cliche and vanilla however you're in a relationship if your boyfriend had i have an 800 credit score what does that mean everything about him that he had a terrible prompt answer no No. he has other qualities about him that you learned that are beyond a, a silly prompt answer and I think that we are so quick to write someone off because it's just easier to do that Mm -hmm. than be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and I think that we need to be less quick to Mm -hmm. the ick yes how would okay how would you define the ick I feel like there's a lot of debate about what is the ick how does the ick work what is the ick to you and how does it happen Uh, I just think uh, it's tough because I I, you know I've experienced the ick for Mm -hmm. sure but I do think it's a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we've conjured up in order to, yeah, not be vulnerable and not get to know someone beyond these silly, trivial things that we've created in our minds. Mm -hmm. That being said, like, I had a date where the guy took my food to go Mm -hmm. and gave me the ick. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, But I I, I just, I can't, can't, like, properly describe this. Because I feel like it's, like, such a female phenomenon. Like, men are, like, when you ask men to describe it, it's like, no, that's just a turnoff. Like, oh, she smells bad. It's like, no, no, that's not it. I know. I don't, I I can't even wrap my head around it because sometimes I want to be this, like, it doesn't exist, but Mm -hmm. it does exist. But I do think it's a defense mechanism. Sabrina Zohar spoke about it on Mm -hmm. my podcast. She makes reference to it, but I do think it totally is us trying to control the situation and leave abruptly. Yes. My hot take on it, and I think why it happens with women, I think it's when your subconscious mind knows something about you not being interested in a person that your conscious mind hasn't caught up to yet. So it's going to be this little thing. Like, I think there was one where like a guy was like, I'm, I feel like I'm just like Jeff Bezos or something like that. And I was just that moment. I was just not attracted to him anymore. But at the same time, it was like, I think where it comes from is like a lot of women feeling pressure and convincing themselves into liking somebody like yeah. he's great on paper, you know, in the back of their mind, there's just kind of, you know, maybe it's like, I could make this work. Cause I feel like that happens with women more like men, I feel like men don't go on dates with women that they're you know not attracted to like I feel like women it's like this could grow and I think maybe some of that comes from like the societal pressure and stuff like why wouldn't I go out with them like you know mom's knocking on the door saying oh like who's coming for Christmas like that kind of thing so I think that must be a part of it yeah that's my take you explained it super well I think 
that's why I'm in this unattached phase where I'm, there's so much pressure with a first date where the pressure is, I hope this person's my husband. I hope this works out. I hope he likes me. Remove that pressure. Mm -hmm. Just get to know someone for an hour or two. And then every date, hopefully they just pile up on each other and you continue to like this person. You continue to learn more and you have more to learn and the attraction grows. Keep it there. Don't Mm -hmm. try and control the outcome. And then maybe the ache won't present itself. Because I feel like there's sometimes where people put like just so much pressure on that first date. What is a good way to set up a first date for yourself where if, you know, God forbid this person kind of sucks, like the night doesn't feel like a loss and you've still felt like you gained something out of it. Like what is a good first date plan that helps protect yourself more than anything? I learned this from A.B. Noble, mm-hmm. who I had on my podcast. Her episode is so great. One hour, hard mm-hmm. out. You say you only have an hour. She even goes so far, I haven't practiced this, but she says you come in your Lululemon, you know, mm-hmm. sweats or whatever, yoga pants, and you don't come with a lot of makeup on mm-hmm. and it's super casual mm-hmm. just to get to know the person. And it's, you you tell them that you have a heart out after mm-hmm. an hour. And I did that. The way that I was able to do it is I went, I had, a, I was going to see a solo movie because I'm in mm-hmm. my solo date mm-hmm. time. And I told him we could go to a bar by the movie theater and mm-hmm. I had a movie at eight and that nice. was it. Nice. And do you recommend, okay, first date, is it drinks, coffee, ice cream? What is it for you? Drinking probably is, mm-hmm. is it for me? I, I know Austin has such a drinking culture too. Yeah. Although there's nothing wrong if you're sober and mm-hmm. if you don't want to drink, there's nothing wrong with coffee and ice cream. I think that certain certain people are like, oh, he's only taking me to coffee. He's only taking me to ice cream. I want him to take me to a nice dinner or steak dinner. Just get to know the person. It doesn't yes. mean anything. I, I'm personally a fan of the phone screener before. I okay. think that you, I would like to hop on the phone. What's the best way to ask for that in a way that's like not weird? I don't know if this is too much pressure, but would you be open to hopping on the phone? Um, I'm a phone girly. Nice. Um, do you do phone or FaceTime? I like both, but some people don't like a FaceTime. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Best night of the week for a first date? Thursday. I agree. Yeah. Are you a Saturday first date person? No. Okay, I'm so anti-Saturday first date. It's I agree valuable. with Thursday. Well, it's also just if you live in a tourist city of any kind, which any major city, you have to compete with tourists. Yep. There's so many competing events that could result in the date being canceled. There's so much room for things to go kind of crazy. There is no school night. There's no free out. Like, I also think even if it's going great, quit while you're ahead. Like, I'm such a fan of, like, the Thursday. I like Tuesdays, too, because of, like, Taco Tuesdays and, like, Mm -hmm. deals. And then there's, like, happy hours on weeknights. I'm so anti-Saturday first date. I agree. And Mm -hmm. it's valuable real estate of your time. You could be seeing friends. I think first date is literally just a screener. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just the hour screener. Mm -hmm. What's, okay, what's the best second date? First date goes well. I like an activity. Okay. Yeah. Or I guess if it goes well from the drink, then you can go to a dinner and then maybe the third date is an activity. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just laughing because a friend of yours said that Dave and Buster's is a bad second date. But I I disagreed. I thought that was so fun that mm-hmm. you have an activity to do. Yeah. I think, okay, my, my one take about it was like, because if you're in a city where there's a lot of like independently owned like activity places, like I think there's like, what's it, Punchbowl Social or like the Cidercade. I've actually heard not great things about Cidercade. Just having like the some self-awareness where it's like, oh, you know, like this kind of sounds corny, but like, let's go to Dave and Buster's. Just like if someone was like, let's go to Applebee's and you've got all these like local restaurants around, like that's something that would stand out to me. But I'm also like, I kind of like the whole like, that's why I think ice cream dates are cute. Like it's like, yeah. let's go back to a time when we were young. Like everyone always says, I'm pretty sure this is like a gender neutral thing. Everyone wants to like find their person that makes them feel like they're home. 
she makes me feel like home. He makes me feel like home. Like, I feel like that is just such a common theme. And it's like, if you can find this person that makes you feel like you're back at, you know, the high school night after the football game in your suburban town, like, you know, why not? Yes, 100%. You, it's fun to be kids again. When do mm-hmm. we get to do that? I I don't know. I, I know maybe the old me would have cringed at Dave and Buster's, but today I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cute. Like county fairs, like love that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I got my inbox wildness. Um, What would be like a fun fact you would tell us maybe from behind the scenes from Tinder? Like I feel like people are always like repeating stats from like dating apps. Like, oh, like, Women are swiping on like a set 5% of like guys and guys are just swiping on everybody or they're willing to date everybody. Like how much truth is there to that? Like I think sometimes people pull from like multiple dating apps. Like what did, did you ever have any like insight into like swiping statistics or anything like that? Yeah, um, I, it's been a while since I've worked there. So I don't remember our stats super well, but I did remember uh, that we were actively marketing to Gen Z and something that was interesting that I learned is that Gen Z dates completely differently. And I just Ooh, had so I, I just had someone um, who's Gen Z on the episode airs next week, but we were talking about how um, Gen Z doesn't like to put labels on things. Mm-hmm. They communicate mostly through Snapchat and the way in which they flirt is maybe they'll send each other like a picture of a pupil. Oh, yeah, they do. They, they like they like like the shot where they're like looking at the camera like I don't. I don't yeah. Understand. Whereas we like courtship and, you know, we like to hop mm-hmm. on the phone or have a text message. And yeah, they're just more casual daters. And I thought that that was so interesting. And I think it's completely different from how millennials are. Totally. And that's why I feel like that whole like Snapchat versus phone number debate lands at around that like 26 to 29 age group because it's like the the zillennial group where yeah. they're just kind of on that cusp yeah like I feel, I feel like there's such like a wonky debate about that like is it wrong to ask for snapchat not a phone number I think it's wrong yeah yeah are you someone that gives phone numbers before the dates like yeah and everything okay yeah I I there's some people that are like very like strongly like I don't give phone numbers out or like I have I don't know I think that that's a lot of work but I don't know maybe there's someone who had a an unsafe experience you can always block if you don't feel safe no agree oh here's a good one a lot of mine are about like a lot of these like letters are going to be about communication um like just kind of like just weird like awkward experiences because we all have those like on dating apps um yeah so she says lately my dates have been asking how many matches i have or how many guys i'm talking to or seeing and sometimes the guy will ask every single time he sees me almost obsessively in all honesty i don't have a lot of time to date and have really only been choosing uh, or I've been choosing to slow down and only date one to two people at a time. So I'm usually saying none, but that doesn't seem to be helpful to the person or that doesn't seem to appease anyone. And they hint that they are seeing others probably more than me, but I don't ask either. Should I continue to answer this honestly um, and openly or am I showing my cards appearing appearing unwanted? I have a lot of likes. I do get attention. I just often ignore them to concentrate on the person in front of me. What's your thoughts on all of this? Or is this a sign this isn't a person I should date? Yeah, gee, the last sentence is it. Run. Mm-hmm. This is such a red flag. I've never experienced anyone asking me how many matches I have or how many... I guess once you're getting to the exclusive conversation, mm-hmm. you can start having those conversations of, are you seeing other people? Mm-hmm. That's the only appropriate question. But talking about it at mm-hmm. like second date point is a huge red flag and it almost comes off as like this person wants to be validated that they're talking to someone who has a lot of matches and likes and I don't like that at all yeah because I feel like there's all this noise like probably like on TikTok where it's like the girls just have thousands of matches and the guys get like 
one every other week. I think that's like an exaggeration. I call it like crop dusting where they swipe on everyone and then they like, you know, kind of work with who's like them back and then they like unmatch versus like, yeah. you know, be choosy the way like women are. Yeah, like kind of just being like, how many matches do you have? Like all of that. Like I, I think it's something like it's probably like an insecurity, I would say. Yeah, and I can confirm that that's how men swipe. They just yeah. swipe right on everything. I've saw that statistic where it's like women are choosy as they swipe, but guys, it's like literally seen a guy swipe and be like, I'm dealing with the consequences later and swipe right on everyone. And I think like some of the apps like put features in place to like stop people from doing that. Yeah. But like, I feel like a guy move was just like, you know, why do like I can do the the pickiness like with who's who's liked me and like, you know, deal with like less time spent on this. Apparently the statistics are like once the guys like have the matches, like who they actually message is like, a lot you know, smaller than you would think because mm-hmm. the way they present it is like all the guys are just you know they, they just want girlfriends and all the women are just turning everybody away and I'm like I just like based on what I see in the wild it just doesn't line up I don't know yeah I don't know the statistic but mm-hmm. and I don't know why men end up messaging what it is I I, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't want to date someone who just swipes right yeah stop that's not the person I want someone who takes more time and meaning into who they're connecting with and dating. How do you think you start that like exclusivity conversation? Because yeah, you mentioned like, you know, asking, are you seeing other people when things get more serious? Like, what does that conversation like? How do you recommend people have that? I hope that it just naturally comes up. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's never a perfect scenario. I think, I think it's appropriate probably around the three month mark if Mm -hmm. I'm trying, you know, to figure it out. And I think it's, hey, I really like you. Mm-hmm. I can see this going somewhere, but I think you also have to be prepared for that person potentially not wanting to be exclusive. I'm a believer in let's just get the conversation out of the way so that mm-hmm. we can know sooner whether this is your person or not. I don't think you should be wasting your time. Mm-hmm. And I I think that there, I, it's not a natural conversation, but I think that there's no right or wrong way. Mm-hmm. I think you should just have the conversation. And if that person doesn't react well, that tells you everything you need to know about where that person's at with their relationship journey. And I think that's a good answer. Like, I think it's just, it should feel like at least somewhat of a natural conversation. Like, you know, one that probably is like harder to have. Like, it's a big ordeal. But like, I think sometimes when people are dodging it, there's usually a reason. Yeah. Yeah, those were kind of like my two like big like listener questions. Do you have any like parting words for my listeners? Um, anything you're excited about in Austin? Um, of course, want to make sure that everyone knows how to find Pretty Much Done and anything else you might be working on. I'm taking one-on-one coaching clients now. So there's a link to book a session in my link tree. My Mm -hmm. podcast is pretty much done everywhere. You can find your podcast, PMD Pod, on Mm -hmm. TikTok and Instagram. My personal account is Mm J-A-M-A-Z-U-R. Message me. I think that you truly find your person once you feel really good in who you are. And I think that while we can't control whether we're going to meet someone or end up with someone, we can control the relationship we have with ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think nurture that. I have so many episodes where you can listen to people who help figure out how to nurture that relationship. And I'm just so grateful that you had me on to, to share my story. Um, and it was a pleasure. Yeah, of course. You as well. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, when do your episodes typically drop? Wednesdays at midnight. Nice. Um, any, any Anyone you want to tease that's coming up or like kind of on deck? I'm having Brittany from 30 Waves on in a couple of nice. weeks, and I really like her. She's 37, and she talks a lot about solo dates. She talks about her mm-hmm. me moons, which she calls, mm-hmm. you know, the it's like a honeymoon to play. Yeah. And that's a really good episode, and I think that will be a really fun one. Nice. I'm super excited to listen to it. Yeah, like I said, got a chance to listen to a few episodes. It was really good. You are an incredible listener and interviewer, just very thoughtful questions. Like, I feel like I could just, like, do yoga and, and listen to it. It's very soothing. You have a great voice. <laughs> yeah, you. and then as far as your, your coaching business, how do people – 
find you for that? Yeah, so it's in my link tree uh, <laughs> slash PMD pod. It's it's in all my uh, social bios, but they can book a 30-minute free session. We get to know, you know, what your needs are. It's really a confidence coaching uh, three-month program, mm-hmm. and I call it fall in love to to fall in love with yourself, to fall in love. And um, I work really on inner child stuff, shadow work, boundaries, all of that. And I think it's a great program. Nice. Well, I'm super excited to see all the things you're going to do in Austin. I'm excited for you to help Austin's dating life improve. We're going to California to Texas. Um, No, we we won't say that. But I'm super excited for you to enjoy your time in Austin. I think it's just a great city, salt of the earth, good people who just like want to make friends. A little rough around the edges, but we're all big softens, I would say. Um, But been an honor to have you here. Um, Everybody, go follow Julia. Um, Go listen to Pretty Much Done. I can give my testament. It is a great podcast. I'll catch you guys all next time. Over and out. Bye.